You are now listening to Well, Well, well Phila Now. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his perfumist. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> La 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 <laughs> What up bitches What's up We're hey coming there. to you live From quarantine in the aftermath The motherfucking aftermath Of meetings have biscuits And if you haven't seen it bitch Turn this shit off right now Alright You shouldn't be oh, baby, here baby, baby, have I don't you want to hear anything Evie about tonight. You got spoiled is by she, reading the title Of this episode Is she smoking up outside Oh Oh our poor Evie We got our sapphic kiss bitches Okay <laughs> Check on your uh, het friends. Are they okay? Oh, check on oh. the queer baiting friends. The, the oh, check on the hets. Would you check on the queer baiting people? Would you check on the article writer's place? I Please, mean, somebody. I just, I feel like I have not had this much fun watching live television in some time. And I don't know what you guys are doing. If you're watching it the side, I don't know if you're watching it two days out of the fact. Uh, maybe you're an essential worker. I don't know what you're doing, but I know that what you did. See, and I know that you have all of the feelings in the world, all the emotions, that you came to the right place. We got our kiss. We got our fucking kiss. Or may not have been screaming <laughs> since the episode aired since for us. 9:45. Right, and it is now like 5:45, probably. It's out of control. Right. It's out of fucking control. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you guys fucking feeling? How are you guys fucking feeling? How are you guys feeling? Are you feeling alive? How many times? Are you feeling you like you got everything you fucking wanted in your life? Listen, you motherfuckers, here, you, here, here we here. are. The sun is almost up, and we are still not over. Goddamn meetings have biscuits, okay? Um, Lord, because the gifts are strong on the internet, so I, I feel bad for those Oh, the gift game, the gift right. game the is about to be popping. We've not been on the internet really yet because we have not been able to really calm down and feel safe. I mean, I was just That's trying to kind of what like, it is. successfully send a tweet, and I I was emoting so much that my fingers with my brain, there wasn't time. My brain was not ready. I just needed to scream, and people saw me scream. Well, let's transition real quick to break the ice because it's very Eve and villain Eve oriented. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. I know I shouldn't have kept you waiting. I know I shouldn't uh-huh. have kept you waiting, Eve. But I'm here now. But I'm here, my baby, <laughs> <piece laughs> too, bitch. On this fucking bus! And what happened? What happened after the bus? <laughs> and the throwing of hands. What happened to the bus? I think we know what happened. I think oh you all know. God. And if you're on the live, you heard us play this fucking song. Sorry. But this intro has to go down this way. It's true. I mean, she got up and she tried to put the box on her girl. And the, her girl was like, okay, well, let's, I'm not here for you. Yo, the way Villanelle showed up to that bitch, like, hi, Eve. With the most smug grin on her face, I fucking can't. And then she was like, smell me, Eve. Okay? And Eve heard that shit in about 10 seconds later. <laughs> I kissed the girl and I liked it. The taste of her cherry chopstick. And you know, she can't go back to this isn't about me anymore because the whole bus is like. It's about you and your lips. Right. It's, it's and all own. about you. The bitter pill, everybody's like, oh, and it's it all so right. about you. I mean, she made she made pain and fake and pretend to not want to let like a Carla know what's up. 
But everybody knows. And I liked it. Heart listen. of Eve. She was like, listen. Listen, I get it. Listen. You, you had a, a hotation in the 80s. Wow, I'm so impressed by you, Carolyn. Uh, you know, I'm not jealous at all or anything. Oh, just- my God. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys. You guys. I don't even. Uh, this. I mean, you already know, you already knew, and you already know. For those of you at the live, that I said it was going to be feral and out of control, and this is where we are. Don't expect much logic or decorum from me at all this episode. It's not going to happen. I will be peeking off the thing. I'm looking at the waveform right now, and it's... Yeah, ah, it's beyond that's jaunty. just what it's, it's going to be, unfortunately. It is going to be what's going to be. Right? And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I didn't even know where to begin. Like, should we even try to... Get, I don't know. I don't this know. Where, is, is it... We've already seen the episode like five times at this point and certain sections of it more than five times. Uh, but I guess, I guess, I guess before we shout your ears off anymore, we should watch it one more time just for shits and giggles. You know? You know what? To it, relive the splendor. Right. And if you um, if you want to watch it again, you do it. You do it. Because we're doing it. Do it. 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 And, um, Show Killing Eve those fucking streaming numbers when they give us the sapphic content is going to be everything they want it to be. You know what? I, 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 is it weird to say I, I noticed the commercials less? <laughs> Actually, I think the commercials were less obtrusive. Right. And whether it's because we were distracted or I don't fucking know, but it didn't feel as obtrusive as it has the past two episodes. Right. So... I guess scientifically, we could like look at the recording and be like, oh, is there anything really different about this? Because there could be. They, I mean, maybe they're taking feedback and they saw the tweets and they were like, everyone's mad at these commercials. And maybe they just cut them up differently. Maybe. Just, I don't know. They was like, oh, there's I mixed felt like reviews. there were less commercials, but the episode was what, like 42 minutes or something right. like that? So I don't really mixed have reviews known that's for the true. title card. So maybe we don't include it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It might come back. We don't know. No. But you guys, we're going to go watch this dream, dream boat of an episode <laughs> one more again. And we will be back to discuss, to scream. I mean, discuss, probably just scream. Really. More screaming than discussing. You know what? I'm sure there's an article out there that's going to be intellectual and shit that's going to give you guys what you need for the breakdown. But for the feral insanities, you've come to the right place at Wobble right. Now. Right. So we're going to go do that. And we will be right back. We'll be back. How they got this past the census? I mean, what what pass? What census? What what they get past? They got they got a lot past. You think? Uh, What needed to be censored? I I don't know. They really let that baby go in the garbage can. Oh, gosh. Oh, is that what you're referring to, the baby? Yeah, I mean, the baby was just in a trash can. I feel like people have violated the innocence of children in worse ways in filmed media than Dasha placing the baby relatively sweetly into (laughs) the trash can. Like the situation of the trash can is horrible, but she didn't throw the baby. And they certainly could have gone the extra mile. They could have given her a baby, just like switch it out. And she throws the baby in the trash can. We have to look at that horrible thing. She carries the baby over and sets it down. So it's not the most horrible thing we've seen for children. It's true. It was still, it was, it was, I mean, it's definitely not the focal point of where I'm really trying to get at in this episode. I mean, if I could smell, I feel like right now I can smell power. 
I feel like I know what power smells like. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I can't go back to anything else. This is what I need. I crave this scent, this smell of power. Oh, Lord. But they also said power smells like woodsy stuff. And I don't know about all of that. Uh, I feel like it's an element, but definitely not the base. Well, unless we have the scent, I don't know. But I'm going off what you said and what people in the chat were saying about what this woodsy, powerful smell is supposed to actually incorporate, which sounded like it was incorporating stereotypically masculine elements. And I will always hate people assuming that anything that codes masculine is automatically more. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as coding the floral as feminine, which is what he tried to do in the beginning when she was like, no, let me talk to you about what the smell is. And then she... Wait, who's he? Uh, this, the... I was about to call him the, he was not named, but he would have been the person doing the fragrance. So when she dropped the oh, money Oh, you mean now, when he was telling what to put in essence, when he wasn't going to make her something, he was just going to say, why don't you try this over here? Right. Like, like his that. initial was floral, which was coded for feminine. And then she was like, no, no, no. I'm going to use my words so that you can understand that I want a particular smell. And she began to describe it. Oh, so... Intently. I mean, she described the centurion. I just, um, I mean, everything's subjective. So I just don't know how a flower is more or less powerful than wood when they are both from nature. Right. Right. That's all. (laughs) Flowers are really interesting. Not that I like to wear them on my body, but I feel like there's many analogies that can be made. Well, whatever. We will get to that scene soon enough. Let us essentially start at the very the very beginning of this lovely episode entitled Meetings Have Biscuits, written mm. by new season four showrunner, Laura. Laura, Nia. Laura. Laura, hello. If you ever come across this podcast, Laura, apologies to your ears, but thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And of course, to the captain of this sapphic ship, Suzanne Heathcote, in whom mm-hmm. we trust. Yes. My lady, a job well done. <laughs> That's all I have to say. A job well done. All right. If we take uh, this ride from the beginning, we are in uh, the Martin's Lou. And we have a nice shot of... I need to stop doing that. We have have an okay What's a Martin's Lou? The Lou in the Martin's estate. It's just there. It's the bath. Bathroom. That's where we start. I thought we started with Villanelle at the piano. Do we? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I was just trying to rush to Mo. Of course. <laughs> when actually the opening scene is Villanelle and she's at the piano. It's the scene that we saw with the tuning fork and she's playing a note. And the woman, presumably the owner of said piano, who we find out is a musician and a political agitator, which I guess there's a lot of those in Barcelona. And the 12 is really intent upon changing the politics in Spain for some reason. And she comes in and she basically reprimands Villanelle, as we mentioned in the snack, by asking her, like, bitch, did you even wash your hands Right. to was, touch my it, epically ancient and lovely piano? It was mightily rude. And Villanelle was like, I did, actually. <laughs> She's like, OK, because please treat this piano with the respect it deserves. And just you sitting there in your, in your overalls, just the overalls and, and, right, and by themselves make it seem like you're disrespecting my piano and my house by bringing your, your whack fashions. <laughs> Yeah. And then I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm undercover. I mean, and then she, of course, is slowly watching Villanelle, but walks away because I guess as she ascends her 
beautifully constructed staircase. She's inspired to then continue a composition. I feel her. like she was upstairs. She heard Villanelle banging on the thing. And she was like, this doesn't even sound like someone with skills. Excuse me. She went downstairs to be like, do you even do you even know what you're doing? And Villanelle's like, of course, I think it's like um, three, no, cuatro, four. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Anyone, anyone should know that. Could you just make sure you just respect my shit? And then she went upstairs. And then Villanelle was basically deferential to her. And I knew then, like, oh, she's going to kill this hoe. That's the only yeah. way. That she doesn't give her back attitude. And as soon as the woman resumes her composition, which if that was supposed to be her playing in that piece that was happening in that scene, I liked it. It was erratic and weird. And so I was digging it. But we didn't get to hear the rest of her composition because Villanelle goes up there and the woman is like, oh, like she turns her head. And everyone should know by now from horror movies that if you hear a sound enough to turn your head, but you don't fully turn the fuck around to see what's going on or investigate, you're going to die. And that's what happened to this lady. She died. Now, (laughs) if you want to talk about how she died, um, there was an object, the, you know, from the previews, it's the tuning fork. That somehow, I mean, there was a pinch. There was a, there was a pierce. Yes. Um, was there enough of a pierce to cause an instant knockout? If you ask uh, Killing Eve science, yes. Well, I suppose it all depends <laughs> where oh. she was hit in the brain. Because I suppose, depending on what part of, I don't know, like, was she hitting a lobe? Was she hitting the cerebellum? I, I, I'm not really sure. The positioning wasn't for the brainstem for where she was. And so it's, I suppose, I suppose you could just do somebody like that. But I was telling Terrence I was saving a story from my cousin when she was doing her ER residency. And she told me a story about essentially a person who was really wasted and had a little pipe going through their head. Oh. oh. But they were still alive and conscious. And so it's those things that are kind of like, oh, okay. So... I suppose that scientifically, and I would have to do more research before I speak on this, and I suppose I'll come back with a snack on what parts of the brain could you potentially just, and you're done instantly. I just, you know, <laughs> it's very that's unlikely. Right. That's, yeah, so, but. Because you could, you could totally survive with penetration to your skull. One of my mom's friends several years ago in the early, early 90s was mugged getting off the five train. And he was stabbed in his head seven times. Oh, no. He kept consciousness and he lived. So this is what I mean, that the human body is incredibly resilient and stuff and stuff and stuff. And so to me, this aspect of Villanelle's kill, as cool as it looks, completely and entirely resides on science and anatomy and accuracy. And since we just see Villanelle throw a single dart, I'm just uh, impressed that this bitch doesn't practice. She's like right right there, right there in the middle of your motherfucking cerebellum. So I don't know. And it seems like at the moment of the drop, you know, her head hits the keys. There's a weird chord that's going on because, you know, that happens. And uh, you hear a, a crying through a baby monitor. And, you know, that's um, that gives us uh, insight that, yes, there is a baby somewhere. It didn't. But you hear the humming as well. So I'm guessing that was the nanny over the baby monitor. Yeah, she also. was trying to lull the babe, the little bambino. To sleep, I guess. And Villanelle finds the baby and the, the woman. Nanny. And she spots Villanelle because there was a mirror that was just sort of placed. I guess that's the nanny's version of just being able to be observant, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she knows Villanelle. She knows the she tuning does. fork, the dripping blood. She puts the baby down and she begins to pray, hoping that Villanelle won't do anything. Now, 
on this scene, the very next thing we see is Villanelle turn and gesture towards like she's about to make a, an approach on the baby. That's when the nanny just starts going up for like, please, baby, no, no, not this baby. Well, she's it. like, don't do this to the baby. Don't, right. don't. And then Villanelle points the tuning fork <laughs> back at her. She's like, well, well I mean, not, not, not me either. And then Villanelle goes back to the baby. She's like, well, not the, not the baby, please. And Villanelle's like, so you? She's like, no, not, not. I mean, <laughs> I meant, could, could it be neither? And so this game goes on and Villanelle's having way too much fun torturing this woman. But ultimately she ends her little game by sending the tuning fork, the same tuning fork through this woman's, it was the center of her forehead, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Mm. And she was like, well, I mean, you really care about this. <laughs> you really, you, care, about you really this care about this baby. It's not even yours. It's not like, even what the yours. fuck? So with that, Villanelle definitely hit her in the frontal lobe versus, I guess, I don't know. But, you know, we will attribute this to killing you science. I always say killing you science right. is in a science. realm all its own that does not require the same facts. It's in the same realm of the flat earth. Anything goes. <laughs> Anything goes. But for what they gave us this episode, bitch, I don't even care. Anything goes. And right. I will take it. I will right. take it. Still good. I will take it. Uh, this is where we get the uh, title card with the K with the blood drip. Yeah, there's no intro. So all that fucking muse I did last snack, whatever, it's gone. There was no intro to speak of, to talk of, to debate of. Just the drip. That was on the K versus the, what was it, V last episode? Yes. Yeah. And after the quick card, instead of a mini anything. Now we are to Carolyn in the bath with Mo. So Mo is uh, leading the shot where he is going through uh, documents. He's going over uh, the coroner's report for Kenny. Um. Everything looks like nothing was wrong up until he hit the pavement. So that just means that whatever happened is something that could have been easily masked by the descent and the, uh, you know, hitting of the head on the dumpster and then the ground. So, I mean, clever on the ones who, you know, did what they did. But yeah, Caroline, of course, is very skeptical that, you know... Those who are looking into it are doing it with any sort of... Uh, epi- uh, well, she seems <laughs> to think that the whole coroner's office is derelict. <laughs> well, yeah. Because it, she made some sort of comment about, oh, wouldn't it be a wonder if they got anything correct at all? Just a single fact. Mm. But it seems like the whole report on Kenny is wrong, 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 wrong. So even if somebody potentially could ask questions or should ask questions, it seems like no one cares which should definitely give the British government pause because that's problematic. <laughs> you should be able to look at details of a Kenny's situation and know that something's afoot. And so either they're just bad at their job or someone else has gotten to this unknown off-camera morgue person and that is motivating them, saying like, oh, no, no, it's this, this is what it is. It's just mm. fucking whatever. Well, either way, it was good to see Carolyn in a bath and bouncing back because we did see her in a very low that's what you call this bouncing back to I me guess. yeah because i guess when she was alone alone or not alone enough because geraldine was there and eve was at her face and she was like look i just i'm spent emotionally what do you need me to do that was like her, her later in the episode a spent emotionally 
I mean, I'll talk about last episode. I saw Carolyn after, I'm talking about after she was blasting her Aria in the car. No, I'm I know. I'm after, just saying the, say, the Carolyn that returns home to Geraldine in this episode is emotionally spent. Oh, well, yeah, but there's so, things that, that, right, that happened, though. So this is me seeing Carolyn. I, I would like to say that this Carolyn that I'm looking at is on the up. From but where she I has less today than she episode. did yesterday because yesterday she had the prospect of the accountant and following this trail. Today, that trail is cold. So I don't know that Carolyn actually has any gains. There are no gains this episode. Uh, probably not all the way through again, but in this moment, in this bath, leaning towards the flourish. I don't feel like Carolyn's headed towards any goddamn flourish, but that's me because I really don't see it. I see Carolyn as in denial. And still trying to compartmentalize the way that she does. But it's going to continue to not work. As things go down for her, I don't see her having any reprieve whatsoever. Because to get to the Carolyn that's throwing things, things have to consistently go a certain way. She has to take, I would assume, a number of more L's. A number more L's. And who knows, with Eve acting all petulant, how that will work <laughs> out. But I don't see... I mean, that's kind of the point of this season. Same with Constantine, that people are losing control while other people are trying to regain control of their lives. And I just don't see Carolyn having the kind of season she had in Series 1 and Series 2, where she's at the top, where she's fine. She's untouched. She's already not untouched she's already compromised so i feel like especially with suzanne that she was she's going to take us further down just wait and see because even though you got to keep mo this episode he is out of here he's out of the paint <laughs> so you know and there's also geraldine who can go down geraldine is in the house i do not think we will necessarily have geraldine for series four because what would be the point so whatever her arc is supposed to be will reveal itself potentially next episode or two and then i don't know we'll see what happens and speaking on Geraldine, she's trying to keep a very impatient Eve uh, from being able to enter into Carolyn's restroom because she's expected. She's the guest. All right. It's okay that As you hear her the saying house. she has definitely stormed past Geraldine. <laughs> she stormed past her. She's like, Carolyn, I can come in straight in wherever I want. It's fine. And then she barges in and she's like, oh, wow. you have no clothes on. <laughs> wow. 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 Caroline, I wasn't prepared for this site. You know, you know me, I'm I'm sapphically squirrely. You can't just show me <laughs> bare skin of a woman and expect me to know what I'm doing. And Caroline's just like, oh, get over it, Eve. <laughs> I have my best thoughts in the bath. If Mo can get over it, so can you. He's like, I haven't looked up. It's like, literally, I've not looked up in 10 minutes. So, but Mo's a good employee. So he, that's, Eve doesn't follow the rules. So I don't know why he would even suggest that to her in the first place. And, uh, I believe that's when the door tries to open a second time, but Eve... Oh, it opens. Jamie. Eve, right. Jamie opens it. He gets an eyeful of Carolyn. And is like, oh, shit. And then Eve squishes the door and Carolyn's just sort of like, yo, what the fuck? And she's like, yeah, um, I thought we were having a meeting, like a meeting with close, not in your bathroom. He just followed me in here, assuming it was like another room, not knowing that your house is really big. And so your bathrooms also look like bedrooms. Right. So we're just, we're just going to wait outside till you get fucking dressed. And is Mo going to be in here with you? Okay, fine, fine. Um, see you. See you in the dining room. <sighs> Then they cut to that fucking dining room and it's an all silent, petulant, petty meeting. <laughs> it is. Only, it's, well, it's mostly because everyone's like, they have their things that they're resting on. And, you know, aside from Mo, because, you know, Mo's not head of any agency, uh, but he's there with Carolyn. So he's leaning on an agency. You have Jamie, who's leaning on his company, his paper. And, you know, they they all see the legitimacy of their own sides. So um, Eve's like, so what's the next move? What, what, what's the next play? And everyone's no one has anything to say. So she's like, all right, fine. Well, 
Good meeting. Well, we so do okay. learn that the thumb drive and the phone is in hand, which is different than what we potentially assumed. We thought the thumb drive, acquiring the thumb drive might be more of a storyline, story plot, but evidently in the interim, in the time jump that we are getting in between episodes, it's just a few days at least, Carolyn just procured the thumb drive and now they have it. And so Eve was like, so what we what we doing with the stuff? And no one said anything. No one said anything at all. And then when they started to say shit, it was fucking rude. Jamie was like, actually, I don't even know. Like why anyone even thinks MI5 or MI6 is anything worth having. They don't do anything. They're completely useless. <laughs> and she's like, oh, we want to talk about useless, but look at you. It's funny. I still don't understand why you're even here. Why do you exist yep. inside of my house? <laughs> and Jamie's just like, eh, why you got to be so rude? But of course, I'm always on Carolyn's side in this respect. And Eve is just like, you know what? Y'all are hoes. All of you guys are hoes. And we're going to share. Can we just share? This is what we need to do. We need to share information so we can figure out what the fuck happened to Kenny. And we see that Geraldine, evidently, is like, it's off in the cut. Right. Just there. Super earshot, like like a foot away. <laughs> like She's like, oh, wow, that's the most parenting that's happening in this house in such ever. a long time. Right, ever. No, she said ever. Lord. She said ever. So she was including her Passive aggressive. And, I can't. <laughs> but she didn't grow up there. So I'm like, if y'all just got here, if you just moved, how did... <laughs> Right, like, I all just, right, Geraldine. Mm. But she was there, and I was trying to figure out why she was in a meeting that probably should be classified. And I'm like, so is this? So is Geraldine keenly aware that her mother thinks Kenny was murdered and is investigating it? Because she was just, she was just standing right there. So I, I assume, I assume she knows. Because otherwise, what are we doing? What are we doing? And what does that mean for any type of arc that uh, Geraldine could have, knowing that these are the thoughts that people? Well, have. it depends if she's. A, well, you think she's a plant? I. Uh, I mean, I've best, seen people flirt with the idea. I don't know if she's a plant. You say nearly everyone is a plant. Yeah. And then I you think forget that, that you say it. So I you're think, like, who said that? Me? It's I like, think yeah, Red's you said a that. plant. I think Dred's a plant. I think, well, that's only people that's new. That's, that's I, like, Mo to me. Jamie is, not a plant. is new. We, well, yeah, Charles I, is dead. There's I feel like his staff are plants, and I think that he's the like the only one that's out of the loop. That's extravagant. But all right, lock it in. And so after Carolyn and Jamie and Eve and Mo figure out that there's only so far they can get with their silence, we cut to Villanelle and the baby with Dasha. And so it was a scene that we already saw essentially just a little bit on the back end. And you guys, I was right. She stole that fucking baby. I <laughs> thought that she stole the baby for fun, for giggles, to have a good time, just to entertain herself. And that's exactly what she did. And predictably, Dasha was like, this bitch, this is a, this is not, this is not what I signed up to do. And in fact, no one wants to be your damn keeper. No one wants to be your handler because you are really fucking annoying. And you know why? Because you do shit like this. And Villanelle didn't seem to have any time for Dasha's nonsense because she was completely involved with the baby mm -hmm. and the baby being cute, including throwing things at Dasha's face. But after that, Dasha was like, okay, we're done. We're done with the baby. <laughs> and we're going to put the baby in the trash. And thankfully she did it delicately, but at the same time, like, in the episode, you can see that a woman sitting at the table that's facing Dasha when she's walking over, she kind of, whether it was just like an extra move or not, she puts her head to the side. So you can see she's noticing her walking to the trash can, putting the baby in. There's all those people around there. I'm just like, why, according to the episode, did it take like a day or two with Velenel watching right? the news for the baby to get back to the person when the baby is from a wealthy family? I am so lost. So lost. And it's like, didn't this wealthy family have cameras? Security cameras? Don't the streets of Barcelona also have cameras? Europe has a lot of them. Like, do y'all not believe in... Y'all pick and choose when CCTV is... You know what? <laughs> I think that's exactly it. That's the killing you science. Like, they pick and choose when it becomes relevant. Because right. even though Europe has tons more 
security cameras in America does because we have like a bunch of dummy shit and stuff that doesn't work. But it's not like you can go to whole networks of stuff across Europe and be like, oh, look at all these public cameras you have access to. And so it's interesting that they just do away with those things when needed because we speculated that with Aaron Peel, too. We were like, surely Aaron Peel has the footage. And they were like, shh, <laughs> not in Killing Eve universe, Candace. You're thinking too hard about Aaron Peel. We did not think that hard. Do you see the Excel sheet that we set up for him? So I was so oh, never man. over it. Never <laughs> over what they did to Aaron Peel. I enjoyed the the character acting that Villanelle got to do with the baby. She's like, look, it's us, you know, it's baby, young mother, mother. right, and a grandma, right, a nana, <laughs> a nana. She's like, but the nana with great cleavage. Oh, she made sure that that was prominent. I'm just saying, we got a shot with with Carolyn in the bath. Dash was like, I want whatever she get. I want. <laughs> I think we actually got more Dasha cleavage than Carolyn cleavage. Well, right. That's why I was Carolyn like, oh, no. was just, she was in the in the hovering water, but Dasha was like, the girls are here to play <laughs> in the leopard print. Oh, uh, did we uh, discuss the exchange of the postcard? No, we were just talking about the baby. Oh, okay. So after Dasha throws the baby in the trash and she sits down, she talks about Villanelle needing to have a job. Gives her a postcard. And when we finally see the postcard flipped over, it says London and our girl is shook. Shook immediately. Shooketh, rocked to her core. And suddenly, super confident Villanelle's like, no. 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 <laughs> and Dasha's like, no. No. What? No. That's not supposed to be a word that comes out your mouth when I tell you to do something. And here's Villanelle. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need to prepare. I need to... There are things I have to do. I have to wax. But I just... Villanelle, since when? Since when, bitch? Are you a studying type of girl? Because I remember when Eve gave you the packet for Aaron. And she was like, did you read that? And you were like, oh, yeah, uh, um, I read it. And then when it was time to take the test, it was very evident that Villanelle had not read her packet. But suddenly, suddenly she needs prep time. Suddenly. <laughs> hmm. That's just like, what, what, you, you're just going to London. All you need is a anorak and... A face like cheese. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean, a face like cheese? Is that an insult to the British? I don't know. If you guys know what that means, a face like cheese, write in and please let me know. And so after that, we cut back to the bitter pill with Eve and Red. And he's looking at the USB data and says it's all bank stuff and financial information. And while we're watching Eve talk to Red, she's holding Kenny's Rubik's Cube, which we noted in a previous episode, he was writing stuff on to leave clues. And by the time this scene is done, we actually figure out the kind of clues he was trying to leave, which essentially involves... Like uh, directions, kind of? A cube rotation. Right. And they're able to correlate what they find on his Rubik's to an account, ultimately. But in between there, Red offers Eve some Haribo gummies. Because he's like, once you pop the fun, don't stop. <laughs> and Eve is like, learn self-control. And I'm just like, Eve, Eve, <laughs> you, self-control, ma'am. Where do they do that at? Not at Eve Palastri line. That's for damn sure. But you out here trying to lecture someone else and give a TED Talk on self-control. Red was like, well, but I don't have self-control. She should have been like, me too. Me too, 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 too. <laughs> I don't either. Eve needs to take a lesson about standing in her truth and being like, you know what, Red? Now we have something officially in common. I I ain't shit either. I, I definitely don't have any self-control. And then he calls her over to look at the accounts and locations that they found. And through the method of cube rotation, he tells Eve to do it. And she's like, bitch, what the fuck do I look like? Do I do I look like I mess, I mess with Rubik's Cubes? Oh, Lord. Literally, she was just like, is that supposed to mean something to me, the instruction you just gave? And he was like, just give me the cube. And when they complete it, at first he thinks it's saying something like schnapps, 
But Eve is like, oh my God, it's on the other side. And she flips it and it says Panda, seemingly indicating the name of the account that Kenny would prefer for someone to look at, perhaps in his death, in the in the event of his death, which I, I'm guessing that's why he wrote on the Rubik's because he thought maybe he could go down, I guess. But if that were the case, why did you just look behind you, Kenny, and not like pull a <laughs> knife or letter opener or something from your desk? Give yourself a, a standing or chance. A final chance. Or send, not. A, send a quick text to Eve. Eve is not looking good, bitch. It's not looking good, bitch. <laughs> and maybe that's why. Yes. Got it. Got it. Maybe that's why nobody looked for the second phone because, hello, they called that phone the burner phone. So, I mean, whatever. Second good phone. Know. They called that phone the burner phone now that I'm thinking about it. You're so, talking about Kenny? Yes. But what does that got to do with um, being murdered? Well, I mean, thinking of what was found on his person. But he and, still didn't text Eve. He still no, didn't seem true. to have any spatial awareness of his danger, true. the danger happening to him. That's why I'm like, That's Kenny, how are you fucking, how are you working on these ridiculous things? And then you're just like, oh, I'm totally fine. Just totally fine out here tracing money from a, a crime syndicate. That's really, really <laughs> scary, but it's fine. I'm just going to go on my date later with Dread and it's, Totally fucking fine. It is weird that he got weird version of tunnel vision where it was like, oh, um, you left your, your virtual door open. For the sake of the plot. <laughs> right. Let me enlarge this photo before I put it in my trash. So they are now in uh, Jamie's office. Uh, Red and Eve and... This is when we get uh, a oh, call yeah, back Eve to... <laughs> talking to the dude. And she's like, listen... If I tell you about this shit, you guys are going to be in danger. And before they can finish the sentence of, don't hey, don't tell, tell us about it. <laughs> okay, so it's the 12. It's the 12. Here's what they do. Kenny and I were investigating. We've been investigating. We've been following these fucking deaths. And it's dangerous out here in these streets. And Jamie and Red are just like, okay, well, this, this. She really is on one always, isn't she? And she talks about how Fat Panda was a Chinese attache for the government and investigating a double agent who was here getting some monies from the Cayman Island. And that double agent, of course, was Frank. Well, Frank. Noblest Frank, who was six feet under, which Eve tries to go into. And then she tries to explain that there was an assassin. And then she's like, well, this woman. And Jamie, <laughs> Jamie proving that, you know what? You're not going to like me at all this season, Candace. Says like, a woman? As if it's so outrageous right, like, for the assassin to be a woman. Disappointing. I mean, he may be on the chopping block to definitely die, which could suck. Very Eve will bad. not miss him. And right. I think she's definitely trying to push Jamie into the root <laughs> of the 12 if she can. That's why she didn't wait for him to say, well, don't tell us. Like, Well, they're the 12, Jamie. The 12. That's He's who so they annoying. are. <laughs> and they basically end knowing that they need help to crack this shit. They need other people to come in and Eve is like cool let me get my MI6 connect and Jamie's like nah she's like oh but that's that's what I'm doing bye <laughs> that's basically it he's like no we don't need that shit she's like oh but we do we do the end and I just I've been saying this since we've seen it but I just love this version of Eve where she doesn't fucking care people tell her stuff and she's like no bitch no no this is actually what I'm gonna do and you can't stop me and so I think it's actually interesting because in a sense I think Eve is more powerful than Villanelle this time because Villanelle is still really hardcore lying to herself about a lot of things that Got Eve it. is standing in her messy truth she doesn't give a fuck she's eating ramen noodles she doesn't wash her clothes and so it's just there's far less pretense with Eve than with Villanelle and her goddamn centurion slash emperor analogy that she went right. on with later I in the see episode what you, I could align because that. she's projecting right like you can't be back in Barcelona getting married evidently with the toast that we heard 
You can't be this bothered when you're talking to Felix. This emo where you're playing a clown if you're good and over someone and you're fine and you actually feel some sort of um, elevation above where you were. I don't think that's that's true at all. I think that is perhaps something she thought was necessary post-Eve and now that she knows Eve is alive, she needs to feel like it's real even though it's not because she's definitely not a keeper yet. Right, right. I don't know. That's my current interpretation for Villanelle's attitude which I'm sure I will go further into as we get more scenes with her. Uh, we cut after Eve makes her declaration that she's getting help from the 12 to trace this Cayman account. Uh, we see her rounding a corner with uh, Agent Jafari. And, you know, he's lost because he's like, I thought you guys were doing things with the the web. I was about to call it a web stick again. No! I was about to. I didn't. I know. Thank God. But you kind of did by saying web stick out loud. No, so but. That's a half. So half with L. The, with the <laughs> Partial L, I'm going to give you. You know, with. Right. With the web drive. Just, Yo! Well, I did call the, the stick. The USB stick. The USB Lord. stick. Uh, I think I don't say USB on purpose because every time I see the letters USB next to each other, I just think of something completely different. Oh, but, Lord. I'm afraid to uh, ask. Well, U, the letter U, and then S, it could be stupid. and then it just Oh, so you're thinking there. like an acronym? Yeah. That is so funny. Uh, so he's like, well, I thought you and Jamie were just going to take care of the stuff that was on the USB. Uh, she's like, Jamie doesn't speak for me. All right. Jamie's a fool. And he's like, well, I don't see any of y'all moonlighting with Carolyn at the same time as working for MI6 to do that. Da, da, da. She cuts him off because she's... Because he's like, bitch, I got two jobs. And she's like, okay, I don't know what about my face or outfit today made you think I gave a shit, but I don't. Right. And if you think this job is going to get easier, bitch, quit now. Quit now because I don't want to hear your complaints. I have things to do. I don't have time to fucking waste. Get your shit together. And essentially Mo's just like, okay. Because, right. Right. He's just sort of like, okay, well, here's this fucking file. Here's here's the stuff we got. And Eve snatches that shit as we and discuss in the snack. Jaunts off. Just turns. <laughs> she spins on her heels. She's like, bye. Mo and he's like oh can I just um, wait uh, I was reviewing some um, files that you and Kenny were working on you know I was just curious I mean if this stuff is you should have protection (laughs) and here's Eve with her (laughs) love do you know what happens to people who are protected by the MI6 he's like no and I'm like, Mo, 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 do research. You work for MI6. You should know this. And she just walks off laughing going, nothing good. Right. Nothing good, bitch. Zero. Zero good things. And so I just, Eve, Eve, please keep this petulant energy all throughout series three. And then we actually cut to Constantine going to see the accountant going by the name of Charles Kruger. And he actually calls Constantine Koista, I believe. I read that right, which is interesting. I'm like, is that a nickname? Is that an abbreviation? I'll have to find out for the snack. But it's very clear that him and Constantine have known each other for years. And I don't know if I would call them old friends, but certainly old acquaintances. Because the way Constantine was dealing with them, it didn't feel like they were friends. It felt like they were work buddies. And this Charles was in a, in a rock and a hard place and was trying to rely on a contact he had to get him out of it. And after he starts with some small talk about, oh, my God, we're so old and our children are fucking grown. And, oh, my God, my kid is in modern dance. Isn't that crazy? Popping and locking and shit. And Constantine is like, so you wanted to see me. Like, this is nice what you're saying. But right. I, don't, I don't give that a fuck. I don't even want to be in London, bitch. So what, what the fuck do you want? What the fuck do you want? And he's like, OK, well, um. <laughs> so someone's been taking money from the Geneva account, which is shitty. And Constantine asks how much is gone. 
and he reveals about six million dollars. And I'm like, six million euros, which is more than six million dollars. And Constantine wants to know if he knows who did it. And Charles says no, but that he expects to find out. And it was interesting the way Cambodia played this scene because I I feel like it can be interpreted in many ways. I'm like, Constantine, you're a whole ass lie. You're in here lying. You know who took the money, Constantine. And you're playing games. And it could be that or it could be just Constantine trying to play close to the vest and not really be involved in other people's drama if he can. But that remains to be seen as future episodes go forward. Well, I mean, I guess it could not have read well to be on the inside of a situation that catastrophic. So for him to be called to kind of handle a shortage of money he by saying oh i'll get to the bottom of this for you and the other guy's like no 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 it's not about drawing attention to the fact that this money is missing because i'm sure people are already going to figure that out eventually when they check my books but if you could just help me get that money back so that it is replacing like if it was petty cash and someone's coming to look at receipts after like that petty cash like we can just put that back if we could just get that money, if you could find all that money and just get it back. Well, that's back. where he is. He's at the, he needs to, <laughs> because I assume it's like any crime syndicate. If money goes missing, so does your life probably. Not too long after. And so he, constantly was like, oh, I'm going to find out who it is. And he's like, bitch, I'm doing that right now. I'm trying to find out who it is. <laughs> bitch, I need the money. That cash money hoe. And what surprised me about this was like, Constantine has money like that? Why would he come to Constantine of all people, of all people that you potentially know in the 12? Why Constantine? Constantine got bread? He has an account. He has connections like that. Okay. All right. I hope we learn more about Big Daddy K's whatever, his own little syndicate that he has going on because six million is a lot. And for him to even think Constantine has the chance of coming up with a million dollars potentially because he was like, oh, I got most of this back, but I'm I'm still short this. So what if that's 500K to a million dollars? That's a sizable piece of change. Yeah. So I don't know, but it's all very interesting on how they're adding to the character of Constantine. Yeah, they're trying to have him be like some sort of fixer now, which is weird. But maybe it'll work. I don't know that he wasn't ever not a fixer because he's an arranger, which is essentially a fixer, while also handling Villanelle. But when he's not handling Villanelle, he was elsewhere doing stuff. Right. So I I don't know. But before Constantine leaves... And Charles asked if he could take a loan. We do see him put down a shot of vodka just to continue the pour up, drink, stand up drink (laughs) that both him and Eve are on because wow. And when Charles is feeling like he might get Constantine's help and get some money, he's like, oh, how's Adina? How's Adina? How's she doing? Is she still like a shit? Is she annoying? (laughs) And Constantine is like so annoying. Like a shit on top of another shit turning into three shits, which is just one massive shit. And I was like, who who wrote this line? I just <laughs> Who wrote that? I mean, he delivered it. But... I guess. I was just like, what a way to talk about your daughter. All right. Okay. And so he's like, all right, small talk was fun. You need me to get you money, so let me leave. Yeah, he's like, give me the shot of vodka. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I got work to do. And, you know, uh, this guy, uh, he smiles as constantly leaves, but then... His face gets real serious. Charles takes another shot by himself. Oh, yeah. He knows (laughs) that the shit is about to get really real for him. Like, people don't know me on this show. And I just had all these lines and I just delivered a backstory. (laughs) Did you take note of where the deleted scenes were in this ep? Because I did not. Uh, the first deleted scene is with Villanelle. No, I mean like in the order of where we're going because no. I don't have it in my notes. Oh, okay. So this is a commercial break. And we do So get we're a saying there's moment. a deleted after what we just said? Right. Oh, like, okay. right. Like, you hit where it lands. Okay. So what, what was the first deleted moment? The first deleted moment was a Villanelle shopping for her fragrance. 
Oh, right. It was a very short, very short clip. Yes. But she looked great in those gold pants and polka, polka dots. dots. Woo! Just gorgeous. And then we're to Mayfair, London with Villanelle Proper. And she's getting out of a rich person Uber. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> Who is taking Ubers? Bentley Ubers. And she gets out. And I love that she's like, I look expensive because I am expensive when she goes to this place. Because she's definitely in character. She's put on an accent that isn't her yes. typical accent. And she yes. is trying to, I feel like she was trying to give young CEO vibes of like, of who from the personality spectrum might be interested in something like this and then have the money like she did, that wad of, of euros that she potentially just got for her job. And <laughs> you know, Villanelle can't hold on to money for anything that she was like, okay, I need to smell powerful. And it's interesting because this fixation on power outside of a keeper has not been a thing until Villanelle learned that Eve was alive and probably felt like she lost all her power in that moment, all her jaunt, all her fucking strength. And she was like, yeah, I'm over this. I'm fine. I have a wife. Yeah, whatever. I'm about to be a keeper. Yeah, moving on up, bitch. Here's Constantine. Eve is alive. She's like, oh, I, uh, I can't, I can't feel, I can't no, see. She, she's like, I get so weak in the <laughs> right. knees. I can hardly speak. Right. I lose all control and something takes over me. So that's Villanelle and she's upset about it. She's upset <laughs> that she becomes a big softy around Eve. So she has to lie to everyone, including herself. And I mean, hey, what we put on, what we wear what we do, things like that, does help our self-esteem and our confidence. And so good for Villanelle for trying to boost herself the way she knows how, which is with pretty expensive things that make her feel better. Because that is the thing. She's like, I need to feel strong. I need to feel fucking empowered. And I need a fucking scent that's going to do it. Well, she looked the part. She looked oh, amazing. Yes. So she went shopping for that look. She, she nailed that look. And even though that dude tried to condescend her with his uh, syringe droppers, whatever the fuck he was doing, and she's like, look, I, I need I need power. I want to smell like power. And he's like, there's some daisy scents over here. <laughs> some motherfucking lavender. I don't know what he said, but it might as well have been that. And she was like, okay, um, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Bedtime story. Once upon a time, there were Roman centurions, okay? And they went to battle. They went to war. And it was really fucking scary and, you know, Almost lost their fucking lives, honestly. But now, one of the centurions has returned as an emperor. An emperor. And I need to feel like that fucking emperor. I need to smell like that emperor. And half of me was like, really, Villanelle? That sounds like wet and old stuff. <laughs> or I mean, it sounds like sweat and sweat, old stuff. right. Like, oh, it's like musk. Sweat. I mean, yes. Yeah. A musk. Mm. I feel like musk could potentially have something positive about it. But with sweat, you just leave it all in the negative. Oh, well, right. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, once he got that description from Villanelle, he was like, oh, I, okay, I see you looking for essentially, I got it. So <laughs> he was like, I'll, I'll work on your scent right, right away. Post, post haste. What's interesting about what she said too, which I'm sure I'll have more to say in the musings when I think more about it. But she says something about, I think the phrase is like that she's now become an emperor and is powerful beyond measure out of meeting a foe in battle. And it's like, that is... <laughs> that's incredible powerful beyond measure Villanelle my gosh the ridiculousness you speak is wild because Villanelle is educated she's well read and surely she would know that for a lot of dictators and certainly eventually there's nowhere to go but down to the, to the death and even if you take you know one of the most famous Roman emperors like Caesar what the fuck happened to that bitch being all powerful and stuff everyone betrayed him 
and he ended up dead. So I think this is actually a very interesting analogy Villanelle has chosen because she's chosen something like an emperor, which is highly flawed. And many emperors have been taken out with good reason. And then also this ancient society, Roman society, <laughs> that she's decided to fixate on. It's all very interesting but i think complete artifice like she needs definitely she feels like a warrior in battle but she is trying to the way she's trying to elevate herself above eve in power outside of just her muscles which was evident in the fight Super my god evident. eve take a fucking self-defense class i'm just i'm interested in where suzanne is going with this it's kind of funny and ironic to me that she would choose someone who ultimately is power in position only but once the position is stripped there is no power. It's not innate. And so if you were going to take some sort of analogy, whether it's literary or historical, a Roman emperor is an interesting choice. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it kind of went down in one. Right, like it didn't go down, right. but it kind of, it kind of did it really, really fast. Did. So it's just, it's, I would say that's also Villanelle to her niece with Eve with the strap. And perhaps that's where the analogy should reside. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Lord. All right. So after Villanelle leaves Mayfair, I think we're back to Carolyn and Geraldine. Yeah. Because Carolyn's going on a date. I was like, yay, Carolyn, who's next in the hotation? But I didn't know that there would actually be no one in the hotation. I mean, technically, there was a hoe in the hotation, but I don't think they slept together. They just drank all night. Right. Right. Although Eve did make a joke like, y'all bitches definitely banged. And she was like, Eve, Eve, <laughs> calm down. Like it was like one night in the 90s or whatever. Well, it, that according to Carolyn, and Eve was like, everybody knows what you did in the 80s, Carolyn. <laughs> I feel like Eve feels like she missed out. Maybe she was with she Nico did. at that time. I don't know. How old is I'll 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 investigate that for the snack to be like, how old? Because we've tried to muse about how long Nico and Eve were married and where that crosses over into their 20s. And that potentially influences how she feels about her youth and what she did or did not experience. But anyway, Geraldine is happy that she's gone on a date. And Carolyn is unhappy that she even told Geraldine that she was going on a date. Because she's way too happy about it. You know, this is something that Kenny and I always dreamed of was you being happy with us. And it's like, well, do we want those kind of feelings to go out into the date with? Because, I mean... Maybe you mean Kenny feelings or any she of just those. wants her to get out she's like go outside mom because <laughs> I feel like there was some rhetoric earlier where she was like you know it's doing things is like something that is useful and Carol's just basically just like no <laughs> no I deal with this in my way and so her going out talking to people Geraldine sees that as a positive thing and she gives her mom like this adorable awkward kiss because she's just trying to make her feel better she's just trying to be there and so I can't be mad at Geraldine for that because she's trying really fucking hard and she gives her some advice about not talking about Stalin and I'm like is that what Carolyn does <laughs> on a normal date or the third date she likes to talk about Stalin I mean she says save it for date three and I'm like mm, there will oh. be no day three mm. there won't even be a day one so we cut to carolyn and she's at the bar the bartender's like hey do you want me to get you another one for these drinks she's that sitting you've been alone drinking? and she's looking pensive beautiful lady in red but she's alone and she cuts herself off and she's like well i know when i've been bested i'll uh you know settle up and, and be on i my was way. in denial that she was stood up but then she said she was stood up and i was like is this real life but i still think it was a caper Oh, to I, get to Henrik? I agree as there? well. Yeah. I was like, no one stands up, Carolyn. No version of Who Carolyn. Who would do that? Yeah, why would you do that? No version. If she told you five minutes and you was a minute late, you've replaced. Replaced. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's walking out, but she's like, oh, oh, 
Henrik, is that you? Henrik? I just love a good coincidence because it means I'm in the right place. That greeting that they gave where it was like, here's the uh, polite kiss on the cheek. Here's well, she the said two. Let's stop it too. Let's stop it too. Right. He tried was, to come in for that third. She was like, right. third is for lovers. And that's not what we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> women, have your boundaries and make sure people respect them at all times. I love it. Just all the times women in this show so far, when a dude has tried to touch her or successfully touched her and she's just been like, actually, could you not ever again? Thank you. I love it. And then they're like, hey, we should catch up. Do you want to get something to eat? Well, what about your friends? I detest them. He said, fuck them. my friends. Fuck my friends. Let's he didn't even go. say goodbye. Right. I'm like, wow. Like, if I was at the table, I'd be like, oh, is he just... Oh, is, is he, right. He Henrik, didn't, oh, okay. Um, he I didn't even, text him. like, his portion of the bill, like, nothing. Oh, like, he skipped out on the bill. He skipped, he skipped out. out. He was like, you can handle that. <laughs> they even shared the same of the, um, the, what do you call that door? revolving door they shared the same they did share the same revolving door and it's just a way to be closer to somebody which is why you do something like that it could also be impatience but politeness usually gives way to impatience with the revolving door unless you know the person really well to squish inside i don't know if that's official revolving door etiquette i just feel like that's my etiquette that you don't go inside the thing unless you know the person and thing really well right i would have been like well you do that and i'm gonna be on the one right behind you and we'll <laughs> we'll work that out and then uh, we got to, they're at Takeaway. And they're eating. And she's trying to get some of the the good, dirty She gossip. wants some deets about his job. <laughs> she's like, oh, what's going on in Geneva? Has it been good to you? <laughs> it's been good to you. And he's like, oh, she's boring financial shit. And Carolyn's like, literally, that's right up my alley. That's exactly what I want. The boring financial information while I ply you with my cleavage and these drinks. And that she did. That she did, probably until four or five in the morning, given the state of affairs that she was in on her couch the next day. Right, because they decided to hard cut, and it's Mo. Looking at a hungover Eve. Carolyn, yeah. <laughs> and Eve's like, uh, she, she, all right? Did she, she been like this this whole time? And he's like, well, I believe the operative word it's migraine. <laughs> and she's nursing. Oh, the acceptable cover story. Right. And she's nursing, basically. It looks like it would have been, uh, I don't want to say a whiskey with ice, without the whiskey, but it's just a, a, whiskey, a whiskey glass. And there's, and there's just ice. And it is resting on, like, her temple as she's trying to, I guess, keep the room from spinning or something. Well, yeah. What she says is, I'm having an aura, Eve. <laughs> and Eve is over it. And what does she say? She's like, well, what you need is some paracetamol. <laughs> and that's what, basically, an anti-inflammatory. And she's like, well, did you at least get the information about who the account belonged to? And this is when Mo decides to take point and say, well, yeah, she did. That the owner of the account used to belong to uh, someone who uh, passed away. So Mo decides to uh, drop the name. The name is uh, the name is Charles Kruger, which was a assumed identity, which actually belonged to a Sergei Kormenev, who like dropped off the radar and then Carolyn says yeah she remembers Sergey and that he was kind of hot in his day or whatever and that's I guess what made Eve want to roll her eyes about the whole thing and make the joke well Carolyn's rotation is legendary and, and Eve doesn't have anyone in her rotation so that's generally what happens with people they throw shade on things they don't have themselves 
So Eve is still upset about the postcard. (laughs) She's still upset about all that shit she went through to betray Carolyn in series one and didn't even get the information. And then she did it again in series two for Constantine and still didn't get the information she wanted. So she's just mad that she doesn't have the honey trap flavor like Carolyn for anyone but Villanelle. That's just sort of where it works for her. Just right there. That's her solid demo. Well, I mean, here's hoping one day Eve will learn how to play the game, I guess. I mean, but, you know, she's learning by bulldozing and we'll see how far that that gets her. I mean. Well, but Eve is different. And that's sort of the point is that Carolyn lets it slip at the end of the scene that it affects her to do people dirty. And that is very atypical for Carolyn. Carolyn does what she wants and we're left to wonder or assume how she felt. At the end of the scene, she makes it very clear. She's like, listen, Eve, it's not fucking easy, actually, to fucking lie and or manipulate people you care about that you love okay so and it seemed like it was weighing on her the duplicitous nature of what she was doing with this guy that she hadn't seen since 1999 where they definitely had a marital affair Mm. and because he mentioned his divorce and all that stuff when they were talking so i just think carolyn's a bit more sensitive than usual and eve is never that way anyway because eve never gives a damn about anybody truly and if i were to guess you know who's further along on the murder spectrum it's actually eve than than carolyn and she's kind of showing it right now with these blips of empathy that eve has no time for and if we go all the way back to season one, which would potentially be Eve at her most empathetic, she was hardly empathetic then. She was hardly empathetic. People died left and right next to her episode one from episode one, and she didn't give a shit. So just pointing that out as well. She was like, I mean, what am I to care if she wants to run around and kill all these men? I mean, that got nothing to do with me. I was like, oh, well, Eve, good on you. Good energy. I guess. It's interesting. So I wonder if that line is going to come back. You know, it's not fun using people you once loved. I thought of Nico in a sense. And I was like, hmm. I'm still in the middle of whether or not Eve is capable of loving anyone that's not Villanelle. Like truly because of how shitty her relationship was with Nico. But it's interesting that Carolyn left her with that nugget because that is something she needs to slice and dice. She's been in denial about Nico clearly. And I, and I really do feel like that's the last of Eve's psyche holding on to something good and real. She's like, well, if I can make it better with Nico, even if they don't get back together, but if she can repair it or make it okay, then maybe she's still a good person. And I think that's potentially why later in the episode when she finds out Nico discharged himself, she's like, what? Because this is what she's been doing. She's like, if I can just work on this, if I can just make this better and make it okay, then I'm okay. And with Nico removing mm-hmm. himself out of the picture, Eve is just like, what the fuck? Right, so what am I supposed to I'm do? I'm just a shitty person right, now. Right, right, Those are my thoughts. Because at least I can help my husband after all this. But I was wondering if um, Caroline dropped that nugget to try to say something about a particular former love that she feels is using her. But, you know, she didn't say it out loud. (sighs) Well, now that you say that, I don't know where she is with Constantine in terms of what she thinks or whatever. We have our ideas. But that's that could be one of the things the writers are doing, like thematically for the characters, because that's absolutely something happening with Carolyn and Constantine, regardless of where they are now. Obviously, at a point, they were really into each other cared for each other and perhaps were even in love for a section of the postcards back in the day. So 
comparatively wouldn't be easy for him either. Well, right. To be fucking her over as he is with the bug. And you pointed out when we were watching the live, you were like, is the bug still in the fridge? Did Constantine just hear their entire shitty meeting? Right. Their entire shitty meeting. And I was like, yeah, they did. He, he really did. Like he's a head of the game where that's concerned. Holy shit. But also, Carolyn, why don't you got a thing? You know, the wand, uh-huh. the wand, the wand that goes. Oh, there's a fucking antenna here. Let's get rid of this. But killing you science, just attributing it to killing you science. Why a super spy does not have a way to check for bugs. Just, just going to say I know more than one person in the CIA. And that's I just. I just feel like people who work in institutions like that are a bit more paranoid. Right. That's, That's all. Right. It's like That's due all. diligence is a is a thing. That is all. <laughs> just I mean, it's 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 a real thing. It's a thing. It's a fucking thing. Like, oh, I accidentally stepped in gum. No. You don't accidentally well, No, it's just Lord. And who. Uh after we deal with Carolyn and her getting up to, to shower because her next move now is to um, actually go and, and pay Sergey a visit. It's what she wants to do. And Villanelle's like, I mean, Villanelle. Eve Palacio's like, well, oh, wait a minute. Go. Wait a minute. I also want to note the final line because as I just went on with Carolyn being emotional and I felt that, what I think is very curious is how Mo and Eve deal with it afterwards because Mo asked Eve did you believe a word of that and Eve is like no (laughs) I think Carolyn (laughs) loves it so not only she like I don't believe her I think conversely she loves being this duplicitous and so I think that perhaps that was a a clever thing that Laura did with this scene is that she's revealing multiple things about multiple characters to the audience but not to themselves because Carolyn in my opinion is in these actual dofos is actually affecting is actually less duplicitous and more upfront without the pretense than the Carolyn that Eve met in series one and the one she had to deal with in series two. But from Eve's perspective, because of how she felt manipulated by Carolyn and because of how horribly everything went, she is like, you're the devil. You can't be trusted. You're a liar. You're duplicitous. And you don't have any fucking feelings. Because if you did, you wouldn't have let what happened to me happen to me. And so oh. she's on the other side of the spectrum of Mo being like, wow, do you really, like, do you think Carolyn is actually upset about this? And she's like, no, bitch, I think she's reveling. She's thriving. She's living her best life. And perhaps that doesn't really tell us about Carolyn, but it tells us about Eve. And maybe this is another indication of Eve's lack of empathy. Because she doesn't feel it. Geraldine feels it. And it's like, let me just try to hug you or kiss you, mom. Mo feels it where he's trying to be helpful. Eve doesn't right. give a fuck. And so I, where, where is it at? Again, I only think, I, you know, Villanelle said we are the same. I only feel things when I'm with you. And I'm just saying it's looking a lot like Eve is the same in that way. Just go. That's just, just I just, like that. That's, uh, that's where I'm going. Right. I like that. Ob- observing, uh, Think. I like what you saw. I like what you've seen. I like what you put you like together what there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love that. Uh, before Carolyn gets up to take her shower, Eve's like, well, before you even try to do anything, I mean, I, well, I was going to go. I mean, first off, he's not your, <laughs> first off, he's not your uh, target. I mean, he's not your contact. He's not going to speak to anybody he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So you trying to insert yourself in this is, is foolish. But then, Eve tried to say, but you can't really be involved yourself either. Can you, Carolyn? I mean, mm. and, and so Carolyn had to sort of sit with that one and was like, well, no, I mean, I could just take a short ride. <laughs> and, 
and right she Let's she was like I could do, right, right exactly like nothing it doesn't have to be like an on the books thing and it doesn't have to be a direct i'm banging on your door thing i was mm. just i was just a throat so she hits the shower so that she can do the stakeout thing so that's gonna be fun for her yes so after that we are we are sorry i'm just the volume i'm scared for this recording as we inch closer and closer to that that scene that moment but in this scene preceding our favorite moment of this episode we get the villanelle in the teddy bear store build a bear store toy store whatever the fuck place she's in to get a gift for eve and she's holding a frog and like a gay bear i say it's a gay bear because it's a rainbow and that's just what i do when i see the rainbow and she is calling the place psychotic but still or psychopathic but she's still in there Looking for a present for Eve because, again, that's why that's what I just feel like the immediate jaunt she got on to. And, of course, we get what we already knew, which is that a, a worker comes over and is like, oh, hey, would you like to leave a message on one of these bears? And Villanelle throws the rest of the toys down, finds herself in the booth, and starts recording things right away. Initially, she's angry. I, I wish I shot you. Oh, I wish I shot you in the head. And then by the third message, she is sentimental. She is soft. But as we expected, too soft. She was like, <laughs> she's like, no, um, I offer to make you spaghetti. Okay. And take you to my cabin that I hadn't bought yet in Alaska. So I can't be that soft right now. I can't do that. I got to put on my cocky shit. And to me, this is the emperor shit right. because it's the opposite of saying, I can't stop thinking about you, which is still true. Instead, it's admitted Eve. You wish I was there. She's like, admit it that you need me because I'm really not in the place right now where I can admit that I still need you. I need you to believe that I'm good without you. In fact, I need you to believe that I'm better, best, bestest without you. And I just hope that Eve, as she's been doing to everyone on the show, calls Villanelle's bluff and her bullshit. She's like, no, you're not. Because I'm not better without you, if I'm honest. I'm not I'm not better without Aww. you. So how could you be better without me? Aww. I know. Sentimental. <laughs> and while Eve is doing something darling for her love, so is Eve. Eve is doing something darling for the, someone that she feels like she loves. Fuck where, off. <laughs> where she's Fuck off. Eve. Oh, what, was, what was she even filling out? It seems like there's what a visitor's... That? Thing. But what, why do why do the visitors need to fill out those forms every time? I, That's I, weird. I, I guess it looked like it was insurance related or something. Right. And I'm like, okay. In well. case you do something that may cause someone to need to stay longer, like I don't know. And why did she look so chill and pleasant in the lobby? Right. I was annoyed the, at that. Okay, right. Her earlier visits where it was like she, she returns her forms and like, oh, he's right out in the patio. Like like they know. <laughs> right, they know right, right, right. she's always here. They know. And then maybe like the week a week ago. Nico was like, all right, I need y'all to... No, I think Valerie was his therapist. (laughs) And Valerie knows all about Eve's sapphic urges and her murders, whatever. But you know, doctor, patient privilege. And she sees Eve and she's like, ooh... Nico really did give me the dates on you. Why Why are you here? And she's like, oh, I'm just waiting for Nico. Like, get the fuck out of my face. She's like, oh, um, well, funny thing is, Nico checked himself out like a week ago. It's been a minute, actually. And he was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Did he leave a, a, a phone number, a letter, a forwarding address, anything? And the woman's just like, um, I, I, that's none of your business. Right. Okay. That was her really energy. No, really. She was like, and that's why I think Nico talked to her about Eve's bullshit. Because that's the kind of bias that you can develop. Just like light bias. where She's like, mm, not really into you, Eve. But I feel sorry enough for Nico. So let me just give you this little nugget. Poland. 
And if you remember any of your wifely duties, you will know where his family is because you've been married for more than 10 fucking years, Eve. You should right. know where his family lives and is from in Poland. Like, I'm just trying to imagine those sessions. Like, week one, you know, she never shows up to any of my bridge games. <laughs> but week two is like, well, you know, she she doesn't initiate any kind of uh, physical contact. Like, she maybe this weird scrambled breakfast situation. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> really bad. And the therapist is like, wait, so you're telling me that you're the cook? And you're... <laughs> You're the cook and you're the... But just look at the stash. Right. I mean, she was bringing in a dough prior prior to Eve getting fired. She was working at MI5 right. and Nico was a teacher. Right. So of the two, she had the better salary, without a doubt. She was bringing on a bacon so he could, he could cook. Gender roles are a social construct, so why not? But Nico is just annoying, so fuck him. Week three, she showed up at my, my colleague's uh, cottage. Oh, <laughs> Lord. And threatened her in her bedroom. After breaking her... Are you uh, talking about Gemma? Yeah, after breaking her jewelry stand. <laughs> the way Eve messed up those frilly bras, she was like, I hate these flower bras. <laughs> and I hate you, Gemma. And notice Eve hasn't said shit about Gemma. Right. There is no Gemma to mention or say or care anything about it. And I'm just surprised Nico hasn't been like, what about Gemma? I know, Eve, right? I still dream about her every night. I still dream about her face in a plastic and it makes me upset. I'm literally traumatized, actually. Like, there was that week where I was nibbling on her pinky toe, but, you know. Oh! <laughs> you are. And why does it have to be the pinky toe? Why not the pinky finger? Why the toe? Because you just want to send me into a rage. Lord. In fact, they found me, and I was on her big toe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, and even more reason why Nico was in the, the facility. Right. I mean, if Suzanne and no one confirms this, we're just going to go with our theory of Nico being in lock for two weeks. Especially because Eve was in the ICU, so she couldn't have come back right, right. away to check on this bitch. And I think they were like, where's your emergency contact? And they were like, we don't even know this bitch emergency contact. Right. Oh, she had that, no one. She had no one. Terrible. Because what ID was Eve, was Eve going to have in Rome? Nothing. And what would they find on her when she was in a disguise? Oh, because she true. ran into help Villanelle. So I don't even think she would have had her wallet. That's true. You're right. And then when they finally realized, oh, she's from London, they flew her over. Right. That was probably like three months in when she got out of her medically induced coma, whatever the fuck else was going on. Right. <laughs> Woke up three months later like, what the fuck? Uh, what? Whose name is this medical bill under? Oh, okay, <laughs> fine. Fine. It'll, it'll get paid. I keep going for the bill, but it's like, this isn't America. It isn't. <laughs> It isn't. And Three lucky months? for her that right. she's in the UK because she won't go bankrupt over her medical bills. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and I also have to mention that Villanelle's eyes were glassy. And that shot at the teddy bears. And I'm like, Villanelle. Oh, Villanelle. And good grief. After that, we leave, what, the, the, <laughs> the facility and which Eve is just in shock that Super her husband shocked. has been checked out right. for a week and she hasn't known. We cut back to Eve walking in a daze down the block. <laughs> and I felt like this slow motion montage was about her old life being totally over. And I loved it because that had to have been the only thing she was holding on to because she wasn't in contact with Kenny. She wasn't in contact with Carolyn. Everybody else is out the scene. There's just Nico. And this idea right. of, well, let me try to take care of you. Let me try to help you and alleviate myself of the guilt of the fact that your work bay is dead. And that's shitty. Ultimately, at least it 
feels like it should be shitty. I don't feel bad about it, but it feels like I should be upset about it. But no, it's about the destruction of any type of routine for Eve at this point where she has nothing from her. Oh, yeah, her last anchor, her last bit of anchor of, hey, I know you. You're normal. You're nice. Look, we had friends and sometimes we would play bridge or have Pictionary Night or something. Whatever they were doing that time when she was in Germany with Bill. And she was like, oh, "Oh, the friends. Why didn't you reschedule? (laughs) Eve, it's been on the calendar for the past past year really several months several months it's been on the calendar eve she's like oh uh, mm." well and my sex is new on the calendar it's a new (laughs) thing for me and it's demanding so and that's why nico is in poland and i say good good for you nico stay there and leave eve alone and while she's walking down the block a siren ultimately takes her out like she's in a daze and then she hears a loud enough sound where she's like okay back to life back to reality but is it reality? Because I've seen one too many outgoing text messages and not enough incoming messages to justify the number of outgoing text messages. That's what happens when you're ghosted and no one replies. I actually think what Eve is doing with the text is, is very accurate. That's how it goes. If you have a fight with somebody and it's potentially a relationship ending fight and one person has felt like they've set a boundary, which is don't. And I'm done with this aspect, especially Nico getting therapy. He was saying, oh, Eve, you're gaslighting me. Last series. Oh, Eve, what are you doing? And so realistically, a therapist trying to help him separately and alone recoup might say, don't respond to Eve. She's going to bring you back into the bullshit. You know it. I know it. We've talked about it. We've talked this out. You see how she is. You see that she's ultimately selfish. You see that she's not for you. And so Eve was probably not texting him because she was consumed with other stuff. The week passes. She finds this out and she's blown up his text. And he's like, okay, how nice for you. That you just realized I'm out the hospital and now you're blowing up my text. Oh, is this it? Is it whatever? And I guess on one hand, you could be like, is it mature? Is it right to end a marriage without having a conversation? By the same time, when you're Nico and you were in a storage locker with a dead body, and it was because your wife's girlfriend did it to you, you might just decide, (laughs) clean break, I don't need to have a conversation with you. You'll receive the divorce papers in the mail and that's how you'll know. That is done. And if Nico's in the preview looking at other bitches, which look too similar to Eve, and maybe that's just the Polish look because she had dark it hair. It is weird, hair. right? The bartender. But I guess that's also similar sometimes. Sometimes that people will go after a type they already have. I mean, Villanelle. Villanelle certainly does that. Well, I would say best of luck to Eve because she's trying to unclean break the break that is going on because she's like, well, Nico, hello? <laughs> Aren't you going to I don't know. Say anything to me. I mean, I w- there are a few messages. He should <laughs> reply. It's done. Because to me, that part, I mean, I guess it's it's debatable. And it's it depends on where you're coming from. Me personally, I would be like, just close the door, Nico, with one sentence. Like, you don't have to engage in a conversation with Eve. You could just be like, Eve, we're actually done. I've thought a lot about this. And this is what I need. So leave me alone. And I will send the divorce papers to your new flat. Thank you. Bye-bye. And Eve just has to deal with it. That's it. Because when she was leaving Nico on red, he just had to deal with it. That is true. Remember the fight? Where he was like, after she fucking punched him in the face, and he was like, listen, okay, just like, let's go get some tea. Let's just forget this happened. Let's just work it out. I can't. I have a work thing. I have a work thing. And he's like, what's up? Hard cut. Phoebe (laughs) Waller-Bridge said, hard cut, mid-sentence. Hard motherfucking cut. 